We are ready to get started today. How is everyone doing out there? I hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn with Focus Compounding. Jeffrey Gannon with Focus Compounding. How are you doing over there? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you very much for asking. Of course, as you all know, this is the voice and the audio part of our business. If you do want to get access to our investing website, go to focuscompounding.com. It's a website where individuals, both professionals and individual investors, uh, contribute and write about ideas. And it's a pretty growing community with like-minded people um, pretty much looking to compound some wealth and compound some knowledge. Mm -hmm. And if you do want to um, get access to that, be sure to sign up using the podcast promo code, which is podcast, and I'll take $10 off the monthly price indefinitely as long as you stay a member. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things on the website, like uh, stocks A to Z section, which has yeah. probably like what over 50 stocks that have yep. been written up on the website. Different write ups, yep. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's good, and and if you're ever looking for a stock in the future, um, it's probably a good place to, to see if it's been written up uh, before mm -hmm. on our website. So it's it's a lot of fun, and definitely check that out if that's something that you would be interested in. So today we're today we're going to be talking about our research process. Mm -hmm. And obviously, um, being investors, that's we spend a lot of time researching stocks. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I guess I'll give a little preamble to it. So, what Jeff and I typically do is we meet up, probably like what two, three times a week now, mm -hmm. and we're, we talk a lot about obviously um, a bunch of different ideas. But when we both decide that we're going to research a stock, um, we just, we made the decision that we're not going to talk about it until we're in person with each other. Mm -hmm. Before, I think we would text about it sort yeah. of back and forth. And and um, I think it's better that we do wait till we're in person so we could both draw our own conclusions and then mm -hmm. come and chat about it. Um, but from there, when we decide to research a stock, what do you typically do? Do you spend a lot of your time on sec.gov yeah. and Edgar? Obviously, you and I, we both don't have Bloombergs. Um, right. We don't. Have you ever been on a Bloomberg or no. seen one in person? I don't even think I've ever seen one in person. I wouldn't even I know how know to use I it. I was watching somebody on YouTube once work mm -hmm. it, and he was. it seemed like there was a lot of different hotkeys or whatever to mm -hmm. find certain things. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like learning another language. Mm -hmm. But um, all the information we use is public. And yeah. I think we um, – obviously, it's all public information. And But sometimes being a good analyst, too, is – learning to scuttlebutt in a little bit different ways i think yeah well i mean when we say something like public information though we do mean that we'll look up land records and we'll look for really old reports on the company and for things like that we don't just mean that we're only reading the 10k necessarily yeah 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 so going about different different ways so what do you typically what do you think your is your research process that other people could look to incorporate um in their own research process to become better investors um, well, I try to find out what the company does and stuff, which is on the 10K. Uh, very quickly, I try to figure out what it might be worth mm -hmm. to try to come up with a guess of that like right away, um, it, which helps me then refine that over time that way. So mm -hmm. I try to figure out right away whether it could be within reason of what it's worth or, or not. Like I wrote about a stock recently on the focus compounding website and um i used like a price per acre thing for it mm -hmm. well right away i tried to check okay well uh is there any way that land in this particular zip code could be anywhere near that price per acre right uh that that the market's valuing at so like instantly i came up with an enterprise value um divided by the number of acres mm -hmm. of land and then that gave me the, the value per acre that the um company was selling at i think that's and that's one of the biggest takeaways that I've had. Okay. I mean, remember when we went out and we um, 
we were doing research on Domino's Pizza, mm-hmm. and you did a little sanity check. I don't remember the numbers now, but I remember it was almost like profound for me. You you did like market cap per pizza or something. Do you remember what you did with yeah. that? Yeah, I did all of those things. Yeah. Well, one thing is that you actually found some information of franchisees talking about how much they made and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I tried to do a calculation on how much I think they make yeah. just from the company's disclosures. And it's close to what they say it the was. company actually does, yeah. that, that they actually do. Because one of the first things you want to do with a franchisee is make sure that they're making enough money so that they can keep attracting good people to do it and all that. And so I was like, oh, can they make enough money to live on this and to replace their, the job that they had, you know, before as a manager of something else or whatever? And yeah, they can. No, and, and, and that's great. And I think that's like a good first uh, sanity check in a way. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about handicapping a stock and when you were just saying that you were seeing what the market was valuing per acre mm-hmm. of, of um, you know, what, it, what the market thinks it's worth. And then from there, you could sort of go and see, okay, well, does that make, make sense? Is that is that actually like a fair price yeah. for what people yeah. are paying in that area mm-hmm. and then from there you could actually go and what we did was obviously look up um you know scuttlebutt around look up land records and every all the information sure. we could find on a per acreage basis mm-hmm. yeah but like the dominoes when you mentioned yeah i did instantly go okay so how many stores is that how many pizzas is that a year a month a week a day you know um and that is a good sanity check that you're not saying okay well you know um uh, and then you're thinking, how much can they make per pizza and things like that? But that's easy because you can start to think in terms of if you order from Domino's and stuff, you can like put this into context. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So getting down to things like that is is a good thing. How much of your time do you think you spend doing sort of like the Peter Lynch approach, where he would go and actually um, like visit the stores that he was at and, and kind of be the consumer it, and it's hard feel to experience? Say because Buffett has talked about this, where he said he used to do a lot of scuttlebutt. Mm-hmm. And then after you do a lot of scuttlebutt, you start to not do the scuttlebutt, but to get the same answers through looking at public things. And I tend to do that more. What now. do you mean looking at public things? Um, like, if you noticed, I was able to figure out what I thought the franchisees made. Yeah. And then we checked that by going online and stuff and seeing what they said. But I've gotten better at um, calculating ratios that the companies don't calculate for you. Like when we said price breaker and stuff, that's nothing that's ever discussed by the company, mm-hmm. right? So you just figure that out. It's like they give you enough bits and pieces to sort of take with you and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've talked before how I value banks on a per dollar of deposits basis. That's not normally how banks talk about their their earnings and stuff, but it's uh, for the kind of banks that I'm interested in, it's, it's definitely the, the best way to look at them. Yeah, and you always talk about, I don't know if we talked about publicly on air, but thinking like a journalist... Mm-hmm. And how when a journalist goes to a certain situation, they probably weren't at the situation that they're writing about, but they're doing, they're taking many different avenues to learn about it. They're talking to people. They're they're yeah. seeing how they felt. They they're seeing things through their eyes, and they're taking multiple different um, routes to pretty much learn about the situation, about the story. And I think that's a good way to sort of think about it when trying to figure out a business as well. Yeah, right. It's not. I mean, we talk about ten Ks a lot, mm-hmm. obviously, but it's not all just from a 10k on how to learn about a company Mm -mm. but there is often information in the 10k or hints about things in the 10k that are really useful because it's going to be rare that you need more than like five numbers about a company Mm -hmm. if they're the right five numbers then that's going to tell you everything you need to know about whether you should buy the stock or not so if you see a company and they have nearly 100 percent retention rate and um they have the same margins all the time then you're just asking okay will they have more clients in the future if they will, then, you know, if they ever get more new clients, then the stock could be attractive, you know, just at a pretty high price. Um, so in some cases, it's things like retention rate that are the key thing to understand about the industry. 
Um, and there were things that we've looked at that way where, where it then becomes that I spend half my time on the whole thing about the stock, about just trying to figure out, well, does anyone ever leave this company or something, you know? Sure. We talked about that, I think, with Breeze Eastern. The extent of my scuttlebutt on that one was really just trying to get um, talking to everyone who was a customer of them or their competitor and saying, well, why don't you change? And, uh, and, and what, how hard would it be? And things like that. How were you finding people to reach out to? Uh, well, because they're like, so with engineering type things, people often announce their deals. So it's, um, you'll get things like, um, there's just ways to figure out through searching online and stuff that, They'll mention that uh, a certain company, a certain uh, like so for instance, in that one, say it's a, a f- like California state uh, fire rescue thing or something, or county, a county in some place, uh, let's say a police department or something in a certain county. Um, they may there you may be able to find an article that says they took a delivery of five Sikorsky helicopters or something. And then you can find out, well, who's likely to be the one uh, on that model helicopter. Mm-hmm. So you can see what model of devices they have on what helicopters usually by getting catalogs from the companies. You don't have to get them. You just go on their websites um, and things like that. It's not hard. And we just were talking about a land company. And in that case, uh, how I found information about it was by going, there's briefly mentioned an article about the company who the builder is, who's going to be doing the actual building. Yeah. So I figured, well, the builder, this is a really big deal. Sure. So the builder is a lot more likely to be talkative about this than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So they tell you what the contract value is for, right? So the size of the contract. So once you know the size of the contract of what they're going to build on the land, that gives you a pretty good hint of how much you'd think the land might be worth when they sell it off and stuff. Whereas the company itself wasn't telling you that. Mm-hmm. But because it's a really big deal for them, you, you get it that way. It's almost like you're a detective, right? They give you little piece, uh, pieces to the puzzle mm-hmm. and you have to complete it yourself. Yeah. And that's how I think the art form of investing comes from. Yeah, but it starts with the 10K. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's good. So from there, um, how much re- further research do you do once you decide to buy a stock? Depends on the company. Sometimes it's within a night that I know. And in other cases, it can be months of trying to figure out certain things because I'm not comfortable with something that's very important. And if it's if you're not comfortable with that, you just is that one that you typically pass on? Like, do you think the good investments just come at you where you don't need to spend months trying to figure out certain things? And I mean, I know that's kind of hard, but I mean, Warren Buffett has always said, now Warren Buffett's a little bit different because he has some experience, but he just says it shouldn't be that hard and an idea should hit you on the top of the head. And I, I know you've talked mm-hmm. about it, how majority of your research, when you come across an idea, you pretty much know instantly if it's something that you'd be incredibly interested in. And then just from there, it's, you know, checking a lot of facts and then seeing where it's trading and, you know, et cetera. Yeah. I'd say you're usually, certainly on one day, you're getting 80% of the way to buying it if it's a good idea or something. Yeah. There may be some things that you have to figure out still, um, depending on the, on the company. Uh, some things are clearer than others, um, that they're really obvious. Um, but, yeah, I'd say usually it's a very quick – it shouldn't take a lot of um, research to figure things out in terms of, like, the actual calculations of it. Shouldn't take that long. I mean, I'm trying to think of what would take a long time. What would take a long time to research? Why would you be spending months researching something? Mm, I mean, yeah, I don't know, really. I mean, if you're focused on it and going sure. with the internet and everything now, yeah. what are you not doing that first night that you're going to figure out in the next couple months? Yeah, I mean, just a couple of Google. Yeah, I completely got that. Have there ever been an industry that you just kind of do a hard stop and shy away from? Or are you are you willing to go pretty much anywhere? I won't let you go anywhere. Because um, I've never seen you invest in like pharmaceuticals or healthcare or anything. Right, because I don't understand industry. them well yeah. enough. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I'd be willing to invest in them at the right price. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the economics are just the difficult part. So for the pharmaceutical companies, I have invested in, um, I invested in IMS Health. I invested in um, Bioreference Labs. So I invested in a company that did, um, at the time I invested, it was a simpler company. It did like um, urine and blood tests regionally. It's an easy business to understand. So like similar to that would be like um, LabCorp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but a small version of that. There used to be a lot more than little regional ones that got bought up. Uh, so that's simple in, in medical stuff, and I had no problem with that. Um, eventually, I started doing more uh, complex and expensive testing, and so then I wasn't okay with the stock then. But um, same thing with pharmaceutical stuff. I mean, I want to understand the drugs, like how much they're getting a return on their money. For I don't know it. if I could pronounce all the drugs that they own. <laughs> yeah, but... But I invested in a company that builds n- nuclear reactors. Yeah, sure. So it's the economics of it. Yeah. I, if you understand so the economics up, of yeah. building a nuclear reactor for the customer, then it doesn't matter if you really understand how the reactor works or not. Sure. I think that's I think it's fair. I actually just got done reading Bad Blood. Yeah. About there now. So that, that, was, uh, that was definitely a good book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but, but the key thing is the, uh, I will pass on certain things because the business model has an issue. And, and I should talk so about not, one that's ob- that's, um how to put this one that I almost always pass on. And some people are surprised that I pass so quickly on them, which is someone brings me an idea and they say, this has happened a couple of times. Basically the input for something is a byproduct from another, um, uh, activity, another function that it can perform. So in a sense, we're doing something with metal or something and we have some scrap that comes off of that mm-hmm. and we're going to take that scrap and we're going to use it for something else. Okay. I pass on that all the time, something like that, because I can't figure out the pricing between them. Um, The the example I give all the time with that is I would invest in an oil refinery, but I wouldn't invest in an ethanol refinery because ethanol's input is in the U.S. is corn, uh, which has no relationship really to the price of gasoline in your car. So you're basically trying to turn corn into a substitute for getting moving your car around. So the, I don't like that kind of business because that's incredibly hard to predict. Um, they're both moving all the time, and they're not moving together that way. But if a company is just turning uh, is just turning oil into petroleum product stuff, then it's a totally different story. Sure. And so there've been a couple where I've passed on things for um, that reason. Where uh, so it really comes down to the business model. Like you're sort of agnostic towards the actual industry itself, but if you like the business model, then it's something that you'll research. Mm-hmm. I don't like coal, but I bought NACA. Yeah. I, and I also bought BWX Technologies, which is also involved in coal stuff. Yeah. People think that that must, means I must like coal, but it doesn't. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> That's funny. Actually, uh, Munger doesn't like ethanol either. I think two years ago when I was at his Daily Journal yeah. thing, he was talking about it, and he he's like mixing corn with, well, he, he didn't like it either. Mm-hmm. But that's one where... Uh, thinking in terms of the long-term results that a company will get yeah it's very hard to predict based on the the with the business model of what they're actually doing in a given year so so with ethanol if you're lucky and you happen to have a year in, in that example say the company gets started and they have a year where for whatever reason there's a, a lot of corn there's just too much corn people planted too much corn last year yeah. right well that's what determines the price of corn mostly i mean sometimes it's some drought somewhere but a lot of times it's just what how much farmers decided to um plant whether they planted corn or soybeans or whatever on their land. So for whatever reason, farmers pick to grow a lot of corn, too much. So corn prices are low this year. Okay. At the same time, something happens in the Middle East or something, oil prices are high. So gasoline prices are high. 
so you have this really cheap input and then you get to sell at a really high price right so but what happened is just luck on two different coin flips basically like it's really hard to figure that out sure over a long period of time is whether you got two lucky rolls i mean you know what if that each case that was a 15 percent chance or, or or lower you know um is that a case of like rolling two uh two dice and both came out six and that's the odds that that'll ever happen again that way or is that a typical year for them it's really hard to tell in those cases so like almost no amount of research could solve that for me and that usually you have to figure out pretty quickly getting it down to only one or two different variables that you can then research and um in those cases i know that i can't predict the price of corn or oil mm-hmm. in other cases like say land or something I might be able to predict what land is worth right now in some place. Sure. So usually it's a question of is this an important question and is there a way for me to answer it? Sometimes, I, like the question of what oil prices should be in the future, if you could know what oil prices are going to be for each of the next five years, that would be really helpful in making a lot of investment decisions. But I just believe there's no way that I can figure that out. So it's not worth my time to try to spend to, to figure that out. Same as like the Fed funds rate. I wrote so much more about the Fed funds rate for the banks that I wrote up for Singular Diligence, which is on the Focus Compounding website. Um, there's like five bank reports there. And we wrote more about the Fed funds rate than I actually spent time thinking about it because everyone's trying to predict the Fed funds rate. Yeah. There's no way that if I spent 100 hours on it, I could come to a conclusion that will be better than everyone else's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't spend 100 hours on it, you know? Sure. You, you want to spend a lot of time on the few things you could figure out that you'll be right and other people haven't thought about. No, I think that's a good way of thinking about it. Do you ever read analyst reports? Yeah. How do you get them? Just Google it around? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you obviously you do go on Value Investors Club too. See, mm-hmm. Value Investors Club. See what I people say about say Yeah, about if there's it. a short thesis, then I always read that. And you do you read that first it. or do you read the 10K first? Or does it mm, depend? Depends. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I can read a write-up that someone wrote for, as the first step if necessary, if I really don't understand what the situation is with this. I mean, I'll try to pick up the 10. I'll try to look at the past results and read the 10K. But with many interesting stocks, the past results on you know Morningstar, Guru Focus, or wherever aren't going to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. And um, you just want to know without reading a write-up or reading the 10K yourself. Like we talked about a Timberland company. Um, if what would I see the EVD, but are the P or something listed or the price to book? None of that matters if they own, bought the land a hundred years ago, right? Sure. So it's hard to you know get those things. Whereas most people are going mostly off that stuff. They're seeing the P and stuff right away. Do you try to read the 10K before you read reports? I try to mm-hmm. because I don't want to get swayed by yeah, it like, or get biased. And I think it's I think it's good to. And I talked about it um, when I was doing researching or research on Ascendant. Mm-hmm. How I didn't look up any sort of current events before okay. i read the 10k so i didn't understand why we were even looking at it because i'm like is he really interested in a company <laughs> like this mm-hmm. so i spent maybe a good two hours reading the 10k and then i uh, went and i googled around I'm like ah okay so now i know why we're, we're looking at this company mm-hmm. which i think is good to do though because yeah. i mean net net even though obviously we what we talked about we're not investing in it it was still a good exercise for sure yeah and what, what point do you look at the price of where it's trading yeah like well i mean i have a general idea as so when i read right when i read the 10k though i mean i have a general idea because i see what what the trading history has been but see where it's trading today mm-hmm. I, t- I try to wait until i'm i'm fully done and think and uh and see what i think it could be worth which i think is uh, usually the price that i appraise that is never the price that i end up at okay but i think it's just good to do that i know we talked about that publicly a lot so maybe we should talk about what research things we do that other people might not be doing 
Sure. Is, they, presumably everyone can go on Anchor and read the 10K. That's, yeah. It takes 30 seconds to tell people to do that. Yeah. Um, do we read more news articles about it? I would say so, right? We like Google around to find a lot of yeah, news articles. Yeah, I mean, things, you yeah. talk about being a a journalist, mm-hmm. right? Learning more about the business itself. Um, um, one thing I think we do is when we were talking about seeing what a private buyer would pay. So mm-hmm. we, we read past proxy transactions, right? which I think that's probably one of the most underused way. I'm sure a lot of people do it, but I never see a lot of people really write about that a lot. I, and I, quite frankly, I gain a lot of insight from doing that. Yeah, I think I saw a presentation by, uh, was it Michael Price, someone like that, um, about uh, that that he thought was the best um, source of information. You said Gabelli does that, right? Yeah, yeah. they definitely do. You work off comparables of what uh, other inve- of what uh, strategic buyers and stuff. They're kind of fun to read too. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like so dry like an annual report. I mean, they're more in like I guess. Yes, yeah, so we should mention what this is. So after a company um, announces it's going to have a merge and stuff, they have to put a vote to shareholders that it's yeah. selling out. Um, and in that, they give uh, an SEC filing, which will include um, background to the deal, right? So you can read how the deal came to be, who presented to the board, when and, and why, and what the initial contact was, uh, who the different investment bankers involved were and stuff like that. And uh, someone will prepare, an investment bank will prepare a fairness opinion. Mm-hmm. And in that, they will include uh, comparable transactions. So like past uh, prices at which entire companies like this one were sold. And that's usually very useful information. They may also prepare, they don't really always do, um, multiples at which things trade today. Although you could find that yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I think it's just, like I said, it's just getting more information. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a good way of going about doing it. Um, what else do we do? I mean, obviously we read earnings reports and, and, and stuff like that. I think everyone, I mean, uh, transcripts, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Everyone obviously probably reads that. Yeah. Um, what else do we do? I mean, when we were looking at that company we were referring to on the land, we did a mm-hmm. lot of research on the area. Right. And it was also reaching out to people that live in that area and own property in that area mm-hmm. to see what sure. they think. Um, I think that was, that was good. Yeah, look sometimes we look at the back. I don't know if you do, but sometimes you look at the background of the people involved because in the um, annual proxy statement, you'll get a list of all the shareholders. Mm-hmm. And there'll be things like people's names and addresses and stuff. You can Google those things, which I always do. What boards they served on. Yeah. I'm always highlighting the other boards that they serve on, the other uh, things that they have to find. Do you like seeing that when um, board members serve on a bunch of other boards? No. I don't either. I'm like, this guy's a professional board. uh yeah, no, yeah. Those people aren't usually Lumber. important, though. Those aren't the important ones. Yeah. It's the ones that you see if they're serving there and they also do something with something else. Sure. So we talk about Pendril, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pendril has certain relationships. Company isn't supposed to have relationships, but I should say the, the people who served on Pendril's board, either, either as chairman or uh, CEO or something, um, uh, or, or board member, um, had connections to both uh, Boss Holdings, which is a re- frequent net-net, and a company that was called um, Future Fuel. And I'd actually researched both Boss Holdings and um, Future Fuel before. Uh, so I actually recognized the name of someone involved in it. And that's not unusual. That happened, that's happened before, too. Um, sometimes it's for, like, local reasons or something. Like, I was, mm-hmm. I happened to research, like, three companies in Minnesota, and apparently some people serve on multiple serve boards in Minnesota. every board you yeah. can in Minnesota of a public company. Yeah. Um, I remember looking at Norwegian companies, and Norway's not a very big country. And a lot of the companies have pretty close to the same board. Sure. Um, you'll recognize the names of a lot of the people. They're, they've, some of the people have been CEOs of several of the top Norwegian companies. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Yeah. So that's the other thing that you research. It, 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 it depends. If you're like a majority shareholder or CEO or something, that might matter a lot to me to research information about you. Um, so uh, actually, so Pendrel is sort of controlled. By, he's probably a billionaire. So he was controlled by someone who at least at one time had been a billionaire. Um, the land company we mentioned is also controlled by someone who probably was worth more than a billion dollars at some point in his career, certainly, um, and may still be. I don't know. So, you know, you would look up those people and find out information about them. Uh, with Pendrel, I remember looking up information about uh, what caused the losses, right? Because the company is vague about why they had op- net operating losses from a long time ago. So you had to find out what event caused that. And sure. Stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's good. What else do you think we do that other people don't do? Or what do other people do that we don't do? Well, you mentioned analyst reports. I mean, have I read analyst reports? Yes. Are, are any of them useful? Um not usually. So analyst reports can be interesting sometimes. Um, their recommendation is useless and their model is useless, but they're usually very well informed about the company sure. and will usually provide some information Industry that you can then Google. Yeah. So they'll they'll like you'll be looking up. Uh, the analyst will know the names of the different chemical plants and stuff that they operate and where they're located and stuff more so than the company will say. So they'll say we do this at this place and stuff, and um, then you can figure out based on that kind of more granular detail that they have you can then google things about it and stuff like that um so so analysts are well informed about those things they're very knowledgeable about the industry and stuff like that they're you know the value they put on it isn't useful and they do a lot of modeling which isn't useful so i don't know if i'd recommend people read analyst reports or not um i think you can mine them for names and locations and, and things like that that's, it, that's how you use most research i'm you know i'm reading an article i don't really care what the person's opinion is about it uh, or just even a value investors data. club. I don't care what do they like it or not. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, you just gather data. Uh, I'm just there to get data to highlight names of things that they're mentioning. Sure. Um, and then you can go and Google those things and find out about them and stuff. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Do you ever email management or like investor relations or anything like that? No. I've worked with people on things where they did that, but I've never talked to management. Yeah. Do you think it's useful? I don't think it's a good idea to talk to management. Why is that? I'm I'm alone on that one. A lot of people think it's a good idea. Uh, I think it presents some very serious risks in terms of... Like biases and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast before, but I've said before, do you know what, <laughs> do you know what every company that um, ended up in bankruptcy has in common? What? They all were optimistic about their company? <laughs> they all had a plan for avoiding bankruptcy. Yeah, sure. Um, so... <laughs> That's a pretty good point. You know, um, I mean, well, yeah, what are they going to say? Don't invest in our company. Our, we're, our company sucks. <laughs> we're not, I mean, we're going to go under. Yeah. My concern is more, uh, what if they seem like a wonderful, charming, competent person? And most of them are. Yeah, but I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Because that's not going to determine whether the business is a success or not. Sure, but a lot of people sort of get seduced in that, I would say. Sure. I've had useful things where I talk to branch managers. So like just store managers and, and managers, not of corporate and stuff. type executives. Uh, like, like, like say a bank or something, you know, um, I don't think there's anything that the, um, president of a bank or something could tell me that it wouldn't be more useful information from a chief lending, uh, from not a chief lending officer, but just from a lending officer. Um, you know, and a lot of the things that they, the top executives are telling you are things that are, are being put in the 10k and are sure. being put in the investor relations. Um, you probably definitely get more input from store managers and stuff like that. I can mm-hmm. definitely see that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't ever try to talk to management um, and other people do. It, it's a, yeah, it's a bias thing. I'm trying to avoid 
talking to them because I don't, in most cases, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's likely that the things that are important about that management are things that I would get from talking to them. Uh, I think management's very important in some cases, but I don't need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So like DreamWorks animation, I thought Jeffrey Katzenberg was very important, but there's plenty of information on him and what he did in the past. There's no need to talk to him. Yeah. Not that you're going to talk to him, but my point is there's just nothing that you would get from that. Um, but on the other hand, I read books about him and stuff. So you could say like, so do I talk to management? No, but would I try to learn about management? Yeah. Yeah. I've sure. In most companies that we invest in and stuff, I've found articles about that person in some way. Buffett used to do that. I'm sure he still does it now, but he used to do, I mean, he knows everyone, I'm sure. But in his early days, he would do that, right? Yeah. Learn I mean, about the and management. I noticed those things. We were talking about a land company. Yeah. I noticed that that person has pledged all of his, um, stock in that company as, uh, uh, to a bank, bank, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's got something going on. Don't get any hints away, Jeffrey. All right. So, um, but I mean, I noticed this thing. Sure. Yeah. I invested. Uh, well, actually, didn't get to invest in it. I was had written up a company that we never got to um, for singular uh, diligence. Put, put out for singular diligence. Yeah. Um, where there was an issue because the um, CEO had had borrowed a ton of money against the stock that he had. And the stock went down, and he ended up having to sell some of it. What stock was that? So lifetime? lifetime Fitness, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Look at that. I know what you're talking about. So, yeah, the research things that way. So I've yeah. done that. Um, uh, like I said, land records. I've Sure. I mean, I've always looked but at land records. But I don't think records. a lot of people think about it like that. Like to go look at, like, land records and stuff like that, do they? I don't know. I mean, for most companies, looking at it wouldn't matter that much, but I do that. Um, for certain companies, that's what I'm saying. Although to I add do it to look the at, research process. I look at a satellite image of every company's um, like offices mm. to know where they are and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did that with NACO, too. Yeah. To see how far the coal plants because were from. Yeah, yeah to, to find that. Um, but, I mean, also just headquarters things. Where are they? And, and Because when you're looking at a company for the first time, um, I mean, I don't for every company because they may give an address, which is someplace in New York or Boston or something, and yeah. I know what it is. But, um, or we get lots of them around here in Dallas. I know what they're talking about. So they say they're in Grapevine. I know what Grapevine is, yeah. you know. But, um, sure, for a lot of them, like George Risk or something, I don't know what that town is in Nebraska. I have, yeah. to, get, I have to see an image of it. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I mean, I, that's that's a good way of thinking about and it. And you use Wikipedia a lot for those things. I, of course, I go to the Wikipedia page for every town that they're, like, their headquarters is in and people's Wikipedia pages and things. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, you find out all those things. Mm-hmm. But all this stuff is very fast. Sure. We're talking about things that take, it doesn't even take five minutes to find a satellite image of the offices that it's they're It's just knowing to. where to look, though, I think, for a lot, or like knowing what to look for is yeah. what a lot of people For a lot of the CEOs you're reading about, even CEOs that you've never heard of them in their, uh, ever or heard about this company until now, you can find 10 articles written in their state papers and stuff about them on Google, like right away. Mm-hmm. And then you just read each of them and stuff. Well, how long does that take? You just yeah, spend 30 long. minutes doing yeah. it. Yeah, it's focus. And usually it's not interesting stuff. But Google if is your best friend. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you do. You Google a lot of stuff. Google and a lot I know of you stuff. In your investment process, yeah. A ton of it, yeah. And Excel. Because you're putting lots of things in Excel to get sort of... Um, Remember it, organize all the data. Yeah, but especially to get like the math on different things. Um, sort of break down, mm-hmm. you know. Although you can do a lot of that in your head, but you just want certain estimates on things, yeah. Um, I think it's good to keep Excel, though if you want to reference it in the future. Mm-hmm. So you just have all that research still right there. When I had more room, I used to keep filing cabinets full of all handwritten things, all the printouts and all handwritten really? of what I had. Yeah. Entire folders of all that they have. 
from things about the biography of Buff and stuff, it's clear that he does that. Yeah, I think yeah, he still yeah. does that. He yeah. sells data. For that was the best way to do ago. it. Just having file cabinets full of it and a folder that you just open up and you put everything that you want in it in there, and then you pull that folder back out. Yeah, and that's the best way to do it. But it comes also from organizing everything too to be more efficient, so you can reference it in the future. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'll, if I just am like sloppy in my notes, I mean the better notes I take, the more I know it's going to be um, more useful. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean it's silly to talk about, but that is also important. Yeah. You know, sometimes you you pull up a piece of paper and it's just a bunch of numbers. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I was doing here. <laughs> like, it was just some scratch math or something. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if that's helpful to people exactly. Um, what? I mean, what we said about the different research things. I never know what people mean when they say, like, what research do you do and what sources do you use? Well, every, well it's, I think it's different for every stock. It's different for every stock. You know, we're talking about land company. How many people value land companies? Probably not a lot. Right, but there's a question with each stock of what the situation and is. That's, or that, but what it is is the key to take away is what you were saying. Find out like what the right the questions you should be thinking mm-hmm. about, and then just go look and find try to answer them. Yeah, we talked a little you know, bit. So, like, what's the big case with the land company? Okay, right. the market's valuing this this per acre at X. Let's go and try figuring out what it really is in real life. Yeah, and like we talked about, and that's the main driver, mm-hmm. main question. Yeah, and we talked about Apple, and I said there's two things I wanted to talk about, which was. Um, iPhones and the gross margin on it and services and there's a lot of information about lots of other things the company does but I wasn't interested in talking about those things and I was only interested in finding out the data on those uh, other points that they have you know mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's hard I, I read Google's 10k and Google is very um, very bad that way they put together lots of things that they should separate out um, and their 10k is not helpful um, so for instance, it's very hard to tell if they're disguising things about what's happening with Google because they're combining with YouTube and vice versa. Um, and it's very easy to get the wrong impression about what's probably happening. You can try to make some guesses and things and find information from other sources, lots of surveys and research things. I mean, what have you seen me use? What research things have I used or that are different than what people normally use? Well, what I, I, I do like, I mean, like I said, I like that the fact that sort of in the beginning, you sort of do like a handicapping type um, exercise where you say, okay, what is the market valuing at? And, and could this be interesting to, f- to take another step mm-hmm. forward, right? So I think that's interesting that you do that. But other than that, I mean, and obviously my process stems a lot from yours. It's just kind of reading a lot of the, uh, reading 10Ks, get caught up on the business. And then from there, just Googling around to answer whatever questions that you have on the actual mm-hmm. business. Yeah, I was thinking, I was talking to someone recently and I know I use the CIA World Factbook which is very useful for specific countries. Um, the CIA has an annual fact book, which gives plenty of details on the economies and stuff of each country. That's very useful. Everyone should like bookmark that. The CIA? That CIA saying? World Factbook, yeah. Wow, I haven't yeah. heard of that, actually. Mm-hmm. It's very useful. It's basically like an almanac um, for the uh, world, but it breaks it down by country. So if you need to... Because sometimes you need to learn about a small country or something. Sure. You know? yeah. um, and you've never looked at it before, and you need the information. So it'll give you the unemployment rates and you know um, information about... What, who the political parties are and you know diff- what different policies of the country are and stuff central yeah. intelligence it's very useful yeah uh very useful because it's, it's so quick that you can do it and you can get information about like if you're looking at an oil company in some country and then you read that 90 percent of their exports are oil that's an important thing to know and you can figure it out right away by looking at that absolutely yeah i think that's good i think that was a great discussion as we are wrapping this up at 36 minutes <laughs> okay
we're supposed to keep it at 15 minutes, but it's good. Just keep, right. keep the conversation flowing. We want to thank everybody for tuning in with us here today. If you do want to get access to Jeff's weekly memo that he sends out on investing topic, go to focuscompound.com and on the homepage, there's a spot to enter in your email and that will allow you to receive from him a weekly memo that he sends out on an investing topic or investing principle. One week it was about probabilities Mm -hmm. and every single week it's something different and he definitely puts a lot of thought into it. And if you do become a member, there is a uh, page where you can get all past memos there as well. Yeah, the members can see all the past moments. There's probably, I don't know, 10 or a dozen or something when you're yeah. listening to this. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's a lot of fun. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you in the next podcast.